On today's show, I'm joined by Mavs draft himself, Richard Stamen of Locked On NBA Big Board to talk about the draft. Who should the Mavericks take in the top four picks if they land there? And who are the targets at 10? We'll talk about that and more on today's Locked On Mavs. I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks. Welcome to the Mavericks. Believe you shouldn't be here. Loyalty never fades away. And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, media member and NBA channel manager for the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for being part of the show and making Locked On Mavs your first listen every day. Subscribe or follow for free wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Locked On Mavs. Where the best way you can help us grow the show is to listen every day and to comment anything. Below, let us know in the comment section who do you want the Mavs to draft if they get the tenth pick. Let's say they land there. It's like a 70 percent chance they land there. Who sh- who should they take? Let us know in the comment section below. Also, if you want to support the show, go the extra mile and keep us five days a week all throughout the off season. Subscribe to our subtext. Click the link in the description below. Text the number on the screen or in the description, and you can text us, get alerts from us, all that kind of stuff. Appreciate each and every one of you that are doing that. We will do a subtext mailbag tomorrow, so send in your questions. Love getting those questions in, uh, so send them in to subtext. Uh, joining me, friend of the show, locked on analyst, locked on NBA big board co-host, Mavs draft himself. What you got for me, Richard Stamen? Hey, we're less than a week from the combine. I'll be there for the first time ever. I'm excited. Oh, the combine is right there. The lottery. The lottery has got me feeling things. I'm, I'm, <laughs> there's a 20% chance they lose the pick, and this conversation becomes pointless that we're about to have. 80% chance, though, that what we're about to talk about is very important. So on today's show, we'll get into uh, some sleepers, some tradeback targets, and uh, we'll talk a lot about who they should take at 10. But I want to start here, Richard, because... There is still a chance they get one through four, right? There's still a chance that the Mavericks get up in that top four. Uh, it's about a, a 14% chance. So it's not huge, but it's not sm- it's not small. It's not nothing either. I mean, there's 0% chance like the Hawks at 15 get up in that top four. So the last couple of weeks we've done this. What should they do if they get one? What should they do if they get two, three, and, and four, et cetera? We did four yesterday. Let's just do a shortened version of, the, of this with you since you're the expert and you know about more about these guys than Isaac and I probably ever will. At the number one pick, if they land a number one, about 3% chance, you take Wemby and you run, right? You, there's, there's no trade. There's no anything you would consider, right? Or is there a different option you would take for the maps? Yeah, you know, there was that whole thing where like, uh, I forget who said it. It might have been like Amin El-Hassan or something, but, but it was like, oh, if the Mavs get, uh, or whoever gets one, the Mavs should trade Luka for it. But like, Nobody's going to do that. Nobody's going to do that. Wembenyama very much has a chance to be the greatest prospect of all time. I personally think it's there's like a three-man race from the century at least where obviously LeBron, him, and then Zion Williamson I think was hyped with yeah. it. But when you're in that conversation, nobody's going to like be like, that's eh, fine. We'll just take a few extra picks next year or two years from now. Like This is the draft every team has ever – like when you think of tanking for a great pick, that's what you think of is this draft. What sets him apart? Like, what's different? We've heard from from people in the past, and I've given my thoughts. But what are your thoughts on what sets him apart? As you're, ta- you mentioned the word century. Like, we're not looking back the last couple of years. Like, just this pro- this class. You're talking about one of the best prospects we've ever seen. Why? Yeah, I mean, if you the best way I've always described it is imagine if you went to 2K, you did create a player. You go, all right, I'm going to make a player that nobody can stop. It's him. <laughs> I mean, you build the biggest player with the most skills. 
And the crazy thing is, is like on top of these ball skills at seven four, seven five, he also has an insane motor. Like his intangibles are there. He's everything by all accounts have been, he's a student of the game. He loves the game. It's not something that he does because he's tall. Like he really loves basketball and he has every physical tool to be one of the greatest players ever. Seems to be now something that you need to have as the number one pick, considering how past number one picks have gone. Maybe a, a, a wing guard from Australia maybe is one of the people we look at with that trait that we want. Um, okay, then, so number one, you just take Weminyama. There's no trade package that, like, you could even think about, I, I don't think, because the, the possibilities are just endless with Wemby. And I think he could help day one, too. He could come in and be a rim protector. He could obviously space the floor, get his own shot at times, you know, play off of Luka, play off of Kyrie. Like, there's just no other, there's no other option there to me. Number two, though, becomes a little bit more interesting. If you're the Mavericks, I know that some people have Scoot, too. Some people have Brandon Miller. I think Raphael in his latest mock has Brandon Miller number two and has had them there for a while. What would you do if you're the Mavericks at number two if they land there? I'm not overthinking this one. I think you still take Scoot Henderson. He was mm. plagued a little bit by injuries this year, and he wasn't able to be his full self. I also think it doesn't help him that there was never really a race. Everybody was like, all right, when Benyama won the the matchup between him and Scoot, and Scoot still looked incredible. Like, that's not to be forgotten. But pretty much everybody crowned him number two. It was like a gap, right? He was on his own tier the same way when Benyama was on his own tier at one. He was at his own tier at two. And then three, four started opening up. So he really didn't have a ton to play for. So I think I still take Scoot Henderson. I mean, he's 6'2", built like a tank. His jump shot seems pretty promising. He can play defense when engaged. Uh, again, that's just kind of a G League thing and, you know, also complacent of where he was, I think, this draft year. And he has all the point guard skills you could dream of. So if you thought of, like, the best comparison everybody talks about is, like, John Wall meets Derrick Rose. Obviously, it's an extreme. But, like, we're talking about a guy who would go number one most of the last 10 years. And so then you just take him and say, all right, Luca, Kyrie, Scoot, figure out something. Like, can you see those guys playing together? I don't think all three of them could play together early. But, like, Scoot with Luca. Scoot with Kyrie, like you could see that. Yeah, you got to stagger that pretty heavily. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you'd always have some, like a crazy playmaker on the floor at, at all times, or at least two of them at some point, which is something the Mavericks have not had and did not have last year at all and have not had for years, I think, actually, at this point. Uh, so you're going Scoot. So does that mean number three, you're going Brandon Miller if they land at three? Yeah, I think he's the best college prospect. He fits every bill that the Mavs need. I, he might be the best fit that's not Wembenyama. In the, if they land in the lottery because he's an off-ball player. Like, he can thrive off-ball. He is an on-ball player, too. But I think day one, his best trade is going to be that off-ball ability. He can play defense. He can create some. He can just do anything that's asked of him. But you look at somebody who can attack closeouts and things like that, like, I think he fits perfectly with this Mavs team. And then number four. We were talking about this last night. We talked about this yesterday on the show with me and Isaac. You land at four, and it, there's a, a pretty significant drop off. How big of the drop off? How big of a drop off is it for you with these prospects? And then, what should the Mavericks do if they land? It's there? you know, for me on my board from three to four, there's the drop off, but it's not like it's not noticeable for the Mavs fit. Though it is very noticeable because my fourth ranked prospect is Amon Thompson. Mm -hmm. I don't like his fit here. I think he needs the right spot in a way. He he can thrive anywhere. I want to make it clear. Yes, he did play high schoolers at 20 years old. To put it in perspective, Mike Miles, who was a junior in college, is four months older than him. So there's like that's that big of a he's played three years of college basketball compared to Amen and Asar, uh, the twins playing zero above college basketball outside of a few, you know, games in the basketball tournament. But with Amen, what scares me is just the shot is so far away. Yeah. While he is great in the pick and roll, 
it's a bigger, it's like all the people who say, oh, well, Scoot can't fit because, you know, the Mavs have guards already, Luka and Kyrie. That's really where Amen cannot fit. I just, I think with the current roster, he's not a fit. Yeah, you have both Thompsons, I think, like are kind of these prospects that you, you, you bet on, okay, let's, let's develop these guys. Let's take some, let's take some time, develop these guys a little bit and we'll build some kind of plan around them. And maybe like one other guy, I don't know if they could be your number one on your team, but like, I, I see this as like a Spurs or even a Rockets. Like if they, if they end up landing down at four, those guys, it'd be great for those spots, but for somebody or a team that wants to win right now, uh, even like if a Portland lands up in the, you know, in the top four or something, it'd be hard for me to see them take one of those guys and be super happy with it if they want to win right now. Uh, so I, I think like, I think you're right. I think they trade back, try and figure out who else, you know, who, who would want to trade up to get one of those guys. Maybe it's a, uh, your other team that you love the magic. They do like if the Mavericks jump up to four, let's say it's the magic now have seven and 11. Are you trading those two picks for a number four? If you're the magic, I would do both sides. Say yes. I think that's a dream because the magic need to consolidate. They can't really afford two rookies. I think even if they get both picks, they're not keeping both. And then the Mavs are in an opposite situation. They probably need as many chances as possible with two picks. Yeah. You got to get, you got to get multiple guys. I think there because they need, they need multiple role players. Uh, and then coming up, we'll talk about who should be the target at the 10th pick. Is there anybody that could stand out, be a Keegan Murray type, you know, contributor day one, who were Richard's favorite targets with the 10th pick. We'll talk about that coming up. But before we do, let me tell you about eBay Motors. eBay Motors has you covered. And just like in the draft, you have to have the perfect fit for your team. It has to be a player that fits your timeline. It has to be a player that fits uh, who the other players are on your team. But for a championship team, it's all about making sure the players fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure that every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know that your part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop at eBay Motors. Confidence, baby. Confidence with over 122 million parts to choose from. You'll be right in the game. You'll be right back in the game in no time. It's easy to bring home a win when you get the right parts that are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions, they do apply. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us on Lockdown Maps. We appreciate you guys for listening to the show, making us part of your day. On tomorrow's show, we'll do a subtext mailbag. Send in your questions. Click the link in the description. Text the number in the description. And uh, you can send in your questions, and you'll be texting with me and Isaac. So, uh, Richard, we're here with Richard Stamen, Mavs Draft from uh, Locked On NBA Big Board, and from Mavs Draft on Twitter. Let's talk about ten because this is the you know the Mavericks will probably end up here. I think they have a uh, seventy or a six, yeah, sixty-six percent chance to land here. So most likely they'll land at ten. I'm going to be Nico Harrison, and I'm going to pretend this is not the case in real life. I'm sure he's heard of all these guys. I'm going to be Nico Harrison. I'm going to pretend like I've never heard any of these guys. Or maybe I should be Mark Cuban then. I'll be Mark Cuban. I've never heard of any of these guys at this point, right? (laughs) And uh, you pitch me on why the Mavericks should take one of these guys. Or you can tell me they shouldn't take one of these guys at 10. I'll just start naming off some names uh, for the 10th pick. I'll start with Cam Whitmore. Tell me about him. Explain to me as Mark Cuban who he is and why the Mavs should or shouldn't take him. Yeah, Cam Whitmore is, if you were to draw up a prototypical small forward, 
he really fits the bill. He's athletic, has an ideal frame, 6'7", 6'8", super athletic. There was a, a picture that came out earlier this week of him clearing the vertical chart uh, jump that uh, I, I think is just a vertical jump. You know what I'm talking about, where they that, set out that the That pole with like the stick sticking out. I just imagine him yes. jumping over that is what I just imagine him doing. Like a, Yeah, like so literally his hand goes above the final one. <laughs> and he's a freak athlete. He played through some injuries. Uh, I think it was like a thumb injury. It wasn't anything like significant. Um, but that that is kind of what people thought of Cam Whitmore was that noise. But, you know, I think... Uh, <laughs> That's my dog. It's storming in here in Dallas and he is not liking it. I think, you know, the injury kind of plagued him. The stats didn't, he didn't live up to expectations at Villanova, but he still is a top 10 pick. He, he was great at the FIBA USA uh, tournament in the summer for the U18s. He's super athletic, can shoot the ball, still needs to learn to play defense. I think that's where the big learning curve is. That mm. and his playmaking is rough. He averaged double the turnovers to assists. He's got some learning curves to do. But again, if you were to draw up a, a prototypical small forward, it's him. As Mark Cuban, I would say that we need one of those. <laughs> That's something that we need as the Dallas Mavericks. I'm interested. You've piqued my interest. Tell me about Anthony Black. Yeah, Anthony Black's an interesting one because he has all the tools to be really good. I think the two things for him, though, are that he – or I'll start with the good. I'll start with the good. He's 6'7". He's a combo guard. It's incredible. Again, just on paper, you look at the measurements, he's there. He's athletic. He can defend multiple positions, obviously being able to, I think he can guard purely one through three. Now the issues are he needs to get stronger and it plays into his mindset. Like he knows he's not as strong as he should be. And because of that, he's more passive. And then on top of that, the jump shot's just really inconsistent. If the jump shot doesn't translate as well as like turnover still being an issue, I, I think he's going to have a hard time adjusting early in his career. Is he a guy that is even going to be there at 10? I've seen him a lot at like six, seven, He's rising. I, I think I think he's gone by eight or nine. This player, me as Mark Cuban, I have gotten tweeted about the most, I think, of any of any prospect it, around ten. Jarris Walker. Tell me about Jarris Walker, six eight, you know, kind of like big wing kind of guy from Houston. Tell me about him. Yeah, Jarris Walker is an interesting one. So he was somebody who I think preseason was, you know, listed around like twenty, give or take five spots. But he was really impressive on a Houston team where his usage was low. And he just, I think it was his early NBA role that he played. He was stuck in the corner sometimes on offense, but he still made plays. His jump shot was far away from what you want to see. I mean, free throw percentage is always a really strong indicator. Uh, generally, guys who shoot below 67% from the free throw line very rarely in the NBA ever shoot 35 plus percent consistently from three. And he was at 66%. So that's going to be a toss up. But the jump shot mechanics aren't bad. He's got a beautiful spin jumper, but the real selling point with him is that he's just a fantastic connecting piece. He's arguably the best defender in the draft, mm -hmm. given that he can guard really one through four. He might be able to one day guard one through five. Uh, I think, you know, knowing his wingspan would help a lot, but he's probably not going to measure. And then also his passing, like he, he just, if there's going to be anybody that's going to be like a Draymond in this class, like that way where he connects the offense with his passing, it's not... He's not the same level of a passer as Draymond, but just that impact. Um, and obviously, he's not going to be like an all-time defender. Like, you, you tone it down a bit. But just that, that if, like, I don't know. Just if you were to draw up a style of Draymond, it's him right now. I think he's the closest prospect we've seen. You've sold me when you just said he can play defense. That's that's where you sold me. <laughs> because if you think about what the Mavericks need. I mean, and it seems like at 10, there's a bunch of guys in this range that can play defense pretty well. Like, that's their calling card, some of these guys. 
Um, the next guy is is kind of like this, Taylor Hendricks. I've, I, this is maybe the second player that I've been tweeted about the most in Taylor Hendricks. Uh, I think Raphael's had him mocked there, but then it seems like he's kind of rising too. Tell me about him. Yeah, I, I actually doubt he's going to be there now. I, I've, I've had him at six on my board for mm. three, four months now, and I think he goes six or seven. Like it, it was something he was hiding in plain sight. UCF wasn't exactly the most scouted team this year. But just statistically, like if you don't mind me reading off his stats, like I'd love for you to hear, like pick apart anything. Fifteen points a game, seven rebounds, one point four assists, one steal, one and a half or one point seven blocks, which is number one in the conference. Forty eight percent shooting, thirty nine percent from three, seventy eight percent from the free throw line. Like, what's there not to like? Like he, he's just a like the way I see him is imagine if Robert Covington, who went to Tennessee State, four year guy came out at 22, 23 years old. Imagine if you put his pre-draft form at his senior year in a 19-year-old's just <laughs> body. If that ability, like he's a, he's got the starter kit is basically the way I would present it. Like he is that good. He's going to be one of the best role players in the league. Let's say hypothetically, Jairus Walker and Taylor Hendricks are on the board at 10 <sighs> somehow. Some, some couple guys get like some real love. If you're the Mavericks, <laughs> who are you taking between those two? I'm taking Taylor Hendricks. The The tiebreaker for me, while I think Jairus Walker is going to be a better passer and defender, I think the shooting gap is big enough to negate that. So for me, you look at a prototypical 3 and D that can do more than just those things on either end. Like he's not a perimeter defender only. He's not just a shooter only. I think, I think Taylor Hendricks is the ideal role player in this for a forward. Those two guys are, are sticking out to me a lot. I hope one of them is there at 10 if the Mavs do end up just keeping that pick. But, yeah, those two guys stand out to me a ton as defenders, as, like you said, con- the connecting piece glue guy. The Mavericks have needed a couple guys like that um, because they, you already have the offense in, in Luka and Kyrie. I mean, you want to think you want to think forward, but you also have the offense in Jaden Hardy coming up, right? So it's not like you need to find a scorer in, in this draft and you need to add that to, you don't have, you don't have a baseline defense at all. <laughs> so, so you need to, to start with that. Maybe one of these two guys can uh, Grady Dick is another player I'm seeing around, around the 10th spot. Contrary to everything I just said about the Mavericks needing a scorer or a uh, needing a defender. Tell me about Grady Dick and if the Mavs should or shouldn't take him. Yeah. I mean, I think first of all, you know, he's not an on ball defender by any means. He's not going to be your guy who you want to be guarding in isolation. Now, that being said, he is really intelligent. He knows where to be off ball. I think watching the Mavs, I don't even think the on ball defense is that much of an issue. I really think the rotations hurt us a lot, you know, where you would see the Mavs um, miss just simple rotations to the basket, allowing cuts and open shooters, especially, I mean, you know, there's some that are worse about it than others, but there are some games that have really stood out. And Grady Dick, while he isn't going to make a huge impact on ball, I do think that ability just to rotate on defense is a, just a skill. you got to know what to do, and he knows what to do. He plays with effort. But the big selling point on him is that he's just a lights-out shooter. He's a 40% shooter just about from college without really being effective in the corners. And as he grows into that, I just feel like he's going to be a really strong shooter. So you look at intelligent shooters, they don't fail in this league, with size at least. Yeah, in this scenario, I'm thinking if the Mavericks find some kind of trade for Tim Hardaway and maybe even a Jaden Hardy, like, okay, you get a guaranteed wing with one and you get a, you know, a future first in Tim Hardaway and you get like a guaranteed starting center. Okay, okay, filled filled two holes. Now all of a sudden we need shooting really badly because we don't have a lot of shooting since we've, we've lost some of these guys. Then I think maybe you look Grady Dick's way, but other than that, 
I don't know. I'm, I'm not. I'm not convinced there. Just just because of the fit there. But uh, you can see what a guy like him could do with what the what the Grizzlies had with Luke Kennard. Like you can see sometimes a team just needs that. I don't think the Mavericks are that team, but. We'll see on draft night if that happens. But coming up, let's talk about um, some sleepers, some trade back targets. And, of course, I've got a bunch more at 10 that we could look at. And we'll see what Richard says about them. We'll talk about them coming up. All right, Richard, we're talking about who the Dallas Mavericks could take in the draft. We talked about the top four. We're going through the picks at 10. We've gone through a bunch of names already. Here's a couple that I've seen sort of in that area tell me and pitch me on these guys again i'm mark cuban pitch me on if i should if we should draft this guy or not uh case and wallace well first of all uh the last time a, a dallas prospect was mocked in the first round uh, a dallas based prospect i should say was 2020 and now he's a borderline all-star with the memphis grizzlies so uh case and wallace is from dallas he went to you're Kentucky saying that he was in the backyard <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, uh there's they missed Could have drafted the guy they, in the backyard, so. they did not do their due diligence but they uh i heard his you know, arms I, were I think, short that, that's what i heard that's all i heard <laughs> yeah that played a role in it um you know i think with case and wallace he's one of the safest guards in this draft he plays defense he shoots he facilitates that combo as a guard is just ideal you know he may not ever be a lead at any one of those things outside of defense but i think he's worth taking a chance on at 10 i'd be completely happy with it again like guard defense you know it's not the most important position to be great at defense but like let's be real it would be the big he'd be the best perimeter defender (laughs) on the team day one i mean reggie bullock's really good so maybe him but you look at just the way he could lock up and just make these guys really just have to work for everything to get to their spots. The Mavs need that desperately. Is there anybody in the NBA that he's like, I've tried to think about with him and it's like, it's a, it's like Patrick Beverly, but like it's sort of that. And you're like, no, I I actually think, and this isn't, this isn't his comparison, but the way he plays is like this person. And it's true holiday. I mean, the way he plays defense is very similar. The way he plays offense isn't flashy. He's not, you know, he's not breaking guys' ankles. He's not making these crazy passes, but he's efficient. He gets to his spots. He knows what he needs to do, what he wants to do, and he plays lights out defense. I don't know anything about this guy. Bryce Sensabaugh. I've seen him around this this 10 mark. Who Who is who is he? <laughs> yeah, Bryce Sensabaugh is an interesting one. So Ohio State had probably the most young talent for, like the best crop of young talent for any team that finished under 500 in college basketball. They have a lot of players it was almost too many cooks in the kitchen. Plus that sounds very familiar in an NBA team, the, the team with the <laughs> most talent that went under 500 this year. Yeah, so he'd fit right in. <laughs> uh, for him, I mean, he's got a case to be one of the best shooters in this draft. He shot 40% from three, 80 plus percent from the free throw line. Like that's generally the makings of an elite shooter. Every great shooter who's come in the draft fulfills that. And for me with Sensible, though, the issue is, does he want to be great at defense? Like, because the motor was not there on that end. Plus, I don't think he knows how to play defense at all. Like on ball, he has the physical Yikes. tools to stay step by step with slashers. That's it. That's his only physical, like that is his only positive defensive trait. Everything else is negative. He has ability to create on offense, but there's going to be a lot of learning he has to do. Like his only day one trait is shooting right now. Uh, yikes. <laughs> Nick, Smith, <laughs> Nick Smith Jr., the guard from Arkansas. Pitch me on him. I, I'm actually very low on him. I, I think... He's somebody who I wouldn't take until the 20s. Uh, it's hard to – I want to contextualize why, though, because uh, I may be overthinking and just looking too much at a surface level, but he played through injury. 
he had some of the worst bigs, I would say, in, in Power 5, just poorly spaced team. But he was supposed to be a shooter that just didn't shoot super well. Like, that was his whole thing was he's a shooter, but he's 6'5". He doesn't have many point guard skills. He really struggles in the pick and roll. Shot 34% from three, 74% from the line. Only 17 games, so like the sample size, not the best. But you would have liked to see more flashes. We only saw two or three games where he really popped. And when you're a consensus top five to 10 recruit, you got to stick out more than that. And I think mm. he struggles on defense, struggles in the pick and roll, not a great enough shooter. I think he's his, I'd be okay missing with him because that, that style is just so replaceable in this league. Couple of wild cards that I've seen. I've seen some people put 10, but most people have them like in the twenties. Raphael has Gigi Jackson. Now is one of like his like top 10 player on his uh, mock draft recently and he called him the Jaden Hardy of, of this of this year's draft uh what do you think about him and is that somebody the map should be looking at even at 10 yeah I like Gigi Jackson I think I mean just kind of quoting what Raphael has said on our show on locked on NBA big board is you know he knows he's he's accountable like he knows what he did wrong he went on and for those who don't know he got a lot of flack I think this really tanked his draft stock was in a February game or late January one of those two he wasn't getting enough touches so um, he went on Instagram live and complained. Like he was like, oh yeah. Like, and then he started liking comments that like all these people like Gigi needs more touches. Coach is screwing him over. And then he'd like it. And, you know, like, I want to contextualize that. that the, to the Anthony Edwards or the, <laughs> so I was, was going to say, like, first of all, that stuff doesn't look, if it can get ironed out, it's okay. Like we don't know what happened after that. I think that's a big thing. And then also he turned 18 in December. He is the youngest. He will wow. be the youngest player in the NBA this year. Like there's a lot to learn from. He's he's been generally sheltered. Um, his parents are close by. His sister goes to South Carolina. He's never truly been able to be like a free adult by himself, be independent. And I think give him a few years to like mature mentally. And it's not his fault. Like I'm not necessarily you know saying he's immature in that regard in a negative way. He just he's raw to life. Like he just doesn't know how to be his own self. And I think a lot of that will iron itself out when you look at what he actually does on the court. He's a 6'9 creator. Um, the defensive tools, he should be good. Problem is, he wasn't that good. He had a lot of turnover issues, did not pass the ball. Uh, he also had terrible, uh, not saying that, he did not have the best teammates. Uh, the team was not good. Like, they, they were the worst in the SEC. And, you know, do you blame him? Like, he wanted to get his. That's why he went to South Carolina. He wanted to be the man. Didn't really work out for him. So, with him, you got you to gotta think about it long term. The skills are there will the maturity ever come around? Like somebody that I see compared for him a lot is Christian Wood. I know it's a sour. That's oh, a okay. <laughs> Me as Mark Cuban, I'm done. I, I don't also his stats per 36, one assist, three turnovers. And it's, yeah. it took 16 shots. So it's not like he doesn't have the ball. Uh, that's, that's a rough number. <laughs> that's a rough number right there looking at it. But uh, interesting. Kobe Bufkin is somebody that I've oh. seen start to rise a little bit here. And I, I don't know anything about him. I love Kobe Bufkin. I think mm. he, I, I, it's funny, preseason, everybody was talking about how Jet Howard is the guy in Michigan. He's their only prospect. Kobe Bufkin's their best prospect. I mean, he does, he does a lot. Um, you look at just the, the way I, I've evaluated him and like sold people on him is if you can find me something he does negatively that isn't fixed with like NBA training, like I'm talking strength and being older, like <laughs> that kind of stuff. I'd love to see it because his main flaw people have said is, oh, he's not a good enough playmaker. This was his first year playing as a point guard from high school to now. 
Like he was never the point guard and he's just been really good. Uh, he, he has a great motor. He's a good finisher, three level scored, great defense, feel for the game's good. He sees the floor. Well, I think it's just kind of executing on what he sees as the next step. He, he just does nothing wrong. And he's 19 as a sophomore. The last one is a guy Raphael really, really talked me into, but looks like he is probably better in like the twenties is Derek Lively. If the Mavericks, he's he's like the one center in this draft besides Victor Webinyama that I'm really interested in. Yeah, you can't take him at ten. I, I just I think that's I'm I'm not a fan of drafting for need, especially when you know the guy you could probably get him at fifteen to twenty easily. Like there's a chance he slides into the mid twenties. With Lively, his physical tools should have made him one of the best rim protectors and just overall interior presences in the entire country, and he just wasn't that. Uh, it took him three months to really click. Even then, the stats just didn't pop. Guys that average six and five, no matter what their efficiency is, they're not going to translate to the NBA right away. So if you're drafting for fit, you're generally drafting for right away, and you're not doing that with him. Like you're, it just they don't match. So for me, stay away from Lively at ten. I'd be okay if you got another pick in there too. If you got fifteen, like for the Pacers, for example, if you got like twenty six, and I think they have a uh, a teens pick too. If you got those and you got Lively with one of them, and you swung for somebody a little bit you know, with higher upside, I think like, and with immediate value, I think you would see, I think that's a better outcome than just taking lively and calling it a night. Yeah. They have uh what seven right now before the lottery and uh 26 and they have 29. So if like you traded back from, I don't know, three or four or something, got seven and 26 or 29, maybe you take him with that second pick. Yeah, and you could package something there and maybe even try and get move up from 26. I mean, yeah, I'd just try and get assets along the way with Lively. I wouldn't just outright take him. All right, your dream target at 10. Not not one that you're like, oh, maybe Scoot will fall. That's ridiculous. But like a realistic <laughs> dream target. Who's the who's the guy that you want the Mavs to take at 10? Yeah, I mean, I'm still holding out for hope for Taylor Hendricks. If he's not there, it's tough. Uh, I wanted to say Dariq Whitehead a few weeks ago, but he's going to miss the entire pre-draft process with another foot surgery. Or not another, but just a foot surgery to finally correct the multiple injuries he had. I'm a little bit wary of foot injuries, so I would stay away from him at 10 at least. If not him, I'd, I'd be happy with Casey Wallace. I think he's the perfect balance of floor and ceiling. He doesn't have the highest ceiling, doesn't, but he has a very high floor. So he fits that hole. He can get better long-term while also adding a ton of value now for a rookie. A case in Wallace, uh, Jaden Hardy backcourt, like as the Mavs bench, makes me really excited. Because that, that, seems, to each other fit, out. that seems to fit so well. Yeah, they balance each other out perfectly. Uh, let everybody know where they can find you on uh, Big Board and wherever else. Yeah, Locked On NBA Big Board. We're trying to you know grow our YouTube a little bit more. We're still a little bit new on that. Uh, so follow us, subscribe on there, uh, as well as anywhere else you get your podcasts. As Nick has reminded you for years, we are free and available every day, five days a week. Um, you know, we're always here. We're talking about on Locked On NBA Big Board. We're talking about, I think, the most unique stuff like you won't find any other draft podcast to talk no about. Like, <laughs> I mean, we just I feel like we take a very different route while being you know creative. We provide intel, things like that. It's it's really fun too. I think I'm biased so though. Somebody just tweeted at me and the Mavs just sent out an email for Mother's Day saying, surprise your mom with Mavs man and champ there that you can send Mavs man and champ to go say to go like greet your mother. Is that something you would do on a Mother's Day? Because sending Mavs man, even the new Mavs man that's covered up with the, the armor and the helmet. Like, no, I'm, I'm out. Like, I can't, I can't 
with Matt. I know the basketball skinned skin graph is still <laughs> under there. Like I can't, I could, I would not send that to my mother. That's a Halloween. See, they should do that same promotion for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> the Halloween I may do because it's scary. <laughs> Super scary. All right. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us on Lockdown Maps. Tomorrow, we'll do a subtext mailbag. Send in your questions. Text us to at, uh, at the subtext. Click the link in the description below. Appreciate each and every one of you guys. Thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Maps. Peace out. Boom.